Today is Friday, May 13th. The title for our devotional is Forming Our Desires. There are two tricky parts to this topic of what we long for the most. First, our longings have already been oriented to other visions of the good life. We're not a blank slate. We're not starting from scratch. When we come to believe in Jesus, we have already an ultimate love that needs to be replaced. This is most likely love of self in some form or another, so that love needs to be identified, uprooted, and replaced. Even then, as Calvin has said, the human heart is an idol factory, so we will constantly be tempted to pursue our other longings and make them ultimate ones. So the process of discipleship is a constant practice of recalibrating the compass of our heart to point towards Jesus. The other tricky part is that our greatest desires are usually operating in the background like a computer program without our our conscious awareness. Yet they are there and have great power in directing our lives. So we must do the work of discovering our longings and reorienting them towards God. We must be sure the compass of our heart regularly points towards Jesus. Ultimately, this, I believe, requires a work of God. He must make us new creations, as we talked about on Easter. He must first remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so that we can honestly, truly love him and long for him above all the other stuff of this world that our sinful nature craves. Then we must live in line with that new life and identity. We must, as Paul says, hold true to what we have already attained. This we do through the regular practices of Christian worship. Colossians 3:14-17 we read, and above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Remember, love is a function of the heart. It expresses our deepest longing. This is the primary thing we are to put on because it binds everything else together in perfect harmony, as Paul says. He then calls them to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts. The term peace is a loaded term in both Jewish and Gentile or Greco-Roman circles of the day. It implies a cosmic peace, coming of the kingdom of God and the reconciliation of all creation in the Jewish thought. In the Greco-Roman world, it implied a lordship of Jesus over Caesar and attempts to bring peace through his military power. The cross of Christ supersedes both of these and calls followers of Christ to live in a unified new humanity together with other believers. Allowing the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts signifies a surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Notice the language of peace to rule. That means an acceptance of reconciliation to God and a commitment to participate in his work of redeeming all of creation. That's how we allow the peace of Christ to rule in us, surrender to his lordship and his way and his calling. Then he goes into a number of Christian practices that help affirm and form our loves. First is thankfulness in verse 15, 16, and 17. He emphasizes this time and time again in this passage. We must remember the gifts that we have been given by God and remember that these are gifts, things that we have not earned. Instead, they have been given to us by God. And so we must be thankful. Among these is our life, reconciliation to God, resurrection life in Christ, provision, etc. All of that is a gift from God. When we reflect on the blessing and mercy of God, how can we not respond in thankfulness to him? And how does that not stir our hearts to love him more? 
Second is to meditate on the word of Christ, verse 16. When we read scripture, we aren't just reading it to acquire knowledge. That is certainly part of it, and that comes as we read scripture. But we read it to direct our love toward Christ. When we read, we see how wonderful and lovely Jesus is, and so that stirs in us our longing for him and for his kingdom. Uh, Third is singing. In verse 16, when we sing, we express our longing for Jesus together with one another in the church. And fourth, everything we do should be an act of worship, as Paul says in verse 17. Learning to view everything we do as worship to Jesus reminds us of our deepest longing amidst all of our other longings. And it reminds us that our longing for Christ and for his kingdom supersedes all of our other longings and desires. So everything else that we long for should fit under the umbrella of longing for Christ. And everything else that we long for should be subordinate to our longing for Christ and for his kingdom. Because everything we do is an act of worship to Christ. Reflection time today. Reflect on the Christian practices that I mentioned above. Do you view these as forming your loves? Redirecting your longings to Christ and his kingdom. These practices are so important in the regular rhythms of our life because we, like sheep, have gone astray, as Isaiah says. So we must recalibrate our compass to be sure that what we long for the most is truly Jesus and his kingdom.